Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. Right, we're in a series called Red Letters Living, and, uh, and these are, we're looking at the actual words of Jesus. In our Bibles, well in my Bible, in this particular Bible, there's red parts in here, and, and they're actually Jesus' words. They're the words that Jesus spoke. And we're looking at different verses in the Bible that his red letters and how we're meant to live our lives. Um, so far, the first week, we looked at the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son that was on Father's Day. And it was really about how God loves us no matter how badly we've stuffed up in our lives, how far we wander, how many mistakes we've made. He still loves us, but we still need to come to our own senses in that process, you know, and uh, make good choices about how we position ourselves in our lives. Um, the second week, last week, we talked about Jesus washing the feet of the disciples and it was about us having a humble servant attitude for life and, uh, and, and people around us serving one another and serving others. And uh, unfortunately, that didn't tape last week, didn't record last week. So if you've been trying to listen to that podcast, for some reason, we just didn't get a, a record on that last week. So, but this week, we're looking at a few well-known verses uh, told by Jesus and particularly one that you will probably know called the Good Samaritan. Now, for some of you, as soon as I say the Good Samaritan, you go, oh, I know that story. I already know. Yeah, I know how it works. Yeah, yeah, I've got that handle. Just clock off. Please don't. Please don't. Um, What I really want you to do is not shut down. Uh, Open your heart. Keep your heart and mind open to what God might be saying to you and through the word here this morning. And, And so I thought I might bring, try and bring something more up-to-date than this story with a, a little video clip. And then this is actually a social experiment um, that, that happened in France. Uh, so you won't... Well, I don't think there's much language on here. Anyway, you can't hear the French. But basically, it's a great experiment. And I want you to put yourself in this same scenario. If you saw this person in the context of what we see here, whether you would actually do something differently. So can we have a look at that, Luke? Thanks. God of justice, Savior to all, came to rescue the weak and the poor, chose to serve and not be served. Loving mercy in 
you know, notice that, but it's actually the same guy. It's the same guy dressed up just with a beanie on and a hoodie and, and, uh, and it's the same guy in a business suit. And see people's different responses to the same person just based on the way he was dressed. See, don't assume God hasn't got something to say to you this morning just because you know this story. Um, because this morning I think we'll come to the conclusion here, hopefully we'll come to that conclusion, that God wants more than just a casual relationship with us. He wants us and urges us to be his disciples. What does it mean to be his disciple? That's the hard question. What does that actually mean? And I want to start with this other question this morning. What do you think of when you hear the word Christian? Uh, this was probably one of the most difficult things I had to overcome in my mind and my head and my heart uh, as I came to know God. Because it quite honestly it depends on who you ask what they think of Christians. You know, so for some you might ask, you know, what, do you, what do you think of when you hear the word Christian? They might say, well, I think of someone whose life is transformed by Christ. They're one way, then they're totally transformed. They're another way now. For someone else you might ask the same question. They'd say, well, I think of someone who's kind of out of touch deceived idiot who's leaning on an imaginary crutch. I used to think that way. I used to think that way. You know? Um, if we ask that same question to another person, they might say, oh, that's a person who's very loving, very forgiving, very generous. That's a person who's like Christ. Someone else, though, might say, oh, no, no, Christians, they're judgmental, narrow-minded, legalistic, religious. Right. Very different. For someone else, they go, no, they're known for their love, known for their compassion, known for their faithfulness, their integrity. Others would say, you know what? They're just known for what they're against. You know, that they're against everything. They're against fun. They're against everyone. And and they seem to be fighting against everyone all the time. They can't get along with anyone. And, and, And what's interesting to me is that Jesus doesn't call us, he never calls us, to be Christians. Never. Not once, not in the Bible, anywhere. Nothing wrong with the term. I must admit I've had to deal with in my own head and my own heart because I I didn't like what Christians represented. I wish there was a different term we could use to be truthful. But the problem is the word Christian means something different to every different person who's had some experience of it or has interacted with some part of our Christian faith. And, And in fact, it was initially used as a derogatory term. You know, if you look at when the Bible, in the book of Acts, uh, there was actually a criticism. 
You see, we think about Jesus never asked us to be a Christian, never asked us to be a Christian at all. And in his red letters living, if we look at it, Jesus calls us to be his disciple. His disciple. In Matthew 9, 9, in the living, New Living Translation, it says this. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting as a tax, at a tax collector's booth. Now, Matthew was a tax collector and, uh, and they were despised by all the people. You know, they were grouped together with the worst type of sinners. They were hated. They were despised. And, uh, um, and Jesus goes to this, this guy and says, who would have been considered like a criminal, criminal almost, he said, Follow me. That's all he says, follow me. Notice he didn't say, believe like I believe. He says, follow me and be my disciple. So Matthew got up and followed him. See, Jesus didn't say, would you be a Christian? Would you come to my church? Would you believe what I believe? Would you follow the rules that I follow? No, none of that. And I think as a church, sometimes we get, and I'm sure maybe it's not even our mentality but the world thinks I have to get it all together before I come to church and we've got to so clearly communicate this to people no everyone's welcome to church everyone we don't care what you believe we love having you a part of the the the, the family of the church and hopefully one day you, you'll come to see what what we what Jesus believes is the right way but until then be part of it don't, don't feel excluded you see Jesus says, would you be my disciple? And, and that Greek word disciple means this. A learner, it means a pupil, it means a, dis, it means a follower. It means a follower of him. And, and see, I love this because Jesus never asks us to be Christian. You know, I, I sometimes ponder on this. I go, so how does a bookstore become a Christian? How does a CD become a Christian? Because Christian CDs, you go, well, it just gets confusing, that, that terminology. Um, be my disciple is what Jesus is saying. And in other words, can I put in in a different way? He's saying, what I want you to do is this. I want you to live like I lived. I want you to love like I loved. I want you to do what I do. Follow me. That's basically what he's saying. I want you to live like I lived. I want you to love like I loved. I want you to do what I've done. Follow me. That's being a disciple. You see, let's do life together is what Jesus is saying. Let's go and change the world together. I'm not inviting you to be to an intellectual belief system. I'm not going to argue about it. I'm not going to you know, try and convince you of that. I'm not asking you to join an organization. I'm, I'm inviting you to be part of a movement, a Jesus movement. Would you come along and follow me? And, then, then, and guess what we're going to do? We're going to do life together. We're going to live. You're going to live like... He lived. You're going to love like he loved. You're going to do things like he did. That's an amazing thing. And we're actually going to do this because we're his disciples. Now, if you've met Christ, if you're a Christian, whatever that means, you've been transformed, you've been forgiven, the old life is gone, the new has come, you're filled with the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Jesus calls us to be his disciples. Jesus calls us to be his disciples, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I forget that. Sometimes I I, I like reading about Jesus, but I I don't want to do what he does. Well, no, you can't. If you are his disciple, 
You have to live like he lived. You have to love like he loved. You have to do what he did. There's no options. We are his pupil. We are his disciples. We are students. We are followers of Jesus Christ. And the first point here this morning, as a disciple of Jesus, you're going to have to find a need and you're going to have to meet that need. Find a need and meet it, basically. Find a need and meet it. You see, Jesus shares this story about the guy who was robbed and beaten up, stripped naked, left half dead. And so this priest comes along. You know, and a priest is just like a minister, just like me, I guess. And he ignores him. In fact, he does more than ignore him. He walks to the other side of the road, straight past him. The next guy comes along. He's a Levite. And he's like an assistant priest. You know, he he might be on staff at church. Again, he walks straight past him. Then the Samaritan comes along. Now, Samaritans were hated by the Jews. And Jesus knew this when he told this story. They were like second-class citizens. The Jews didn't associate with them. They almost didn't even talk to them. They just ignored them. They didn't acknowledge them at all. And they're like a half-breed, a half-caste. And, and this whole story is in Luke 10. And we're going to read from Luke, uh, Luke 10, verse 33, what happens when this Samaritan walks along in the story. It says this in verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took two denarii, which means basically two days' wages. So let's put it in our context. Two days' wages. What's an average wage? Who knows these days? But say if it's $200 a day. So $400, $500, something like that, he's given to this innkeeper, to look after this guy who he... he, The Samaritan's Jews don't connect, you see, and he's given it, even though he doesn't like this person necessarily, but he's looking after him. He says, look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And Jesus has been talking to this religious leader. He says, which of these three do you think is a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the man who had mercy on him. And Jesus says this. See, this is the key. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. You see, church, we're meant to go and do likewise in our life. When we see the people we don't even necessarily like or associate with in need, we respond. We see a need, we meet it. We do that. And that's how we're going to do this, what we're talking about, how we love like Jesus loves, like we, we live like Jesus lives, as we do as Jesus does. We live like Jesus does. And, and so often, I must admit, I'm more like the priest. I'm more like the Levite. I see a need and I'll probably walk straight past it because I'm busy. I'm on I'm, I'm mission for something else, to somewhere else. You know, and maybe it's like driving down the road and you see someone changing a tire and, and the thought comes in your head, oh, maybe we should stop and help them. And, and oh, but, you know, I've got to get to this place and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And you dismiss it. Or maybe it's at the supermarket and you see someone struggling with, with groceries or, or a trolley or something, an older person, and, and you go, oh, they look like they need a hand, but you know what, I've got this meeting I've got to get to and I've got to do that. And, and I just think we live like priests and Levites when in fact we're meant to live like the Samaritan who was despised. And Jesus tells this, this story with a real pointed purpose. He wants us to examine our hearts and go, you know what? 
How many needs am I walking past in my life? How many things am I letting busyness or priorities or, I don't know, just apathy sometimes? Not let me respond to that need. And, and, you know, I'm not saying that we're bad or we're mean or anything like that. I just think sometimes we don't lift it on our priority list. We don't put it on our priority list. We make other things more important, you know? And often, very often, business is one of them. Isn't that the world we live in? And if we are dictated to by business, we are dictated to this world, our life are dictated by the world rather than what Jesus tells us to do. And that's wrong. And that's wrong. You know, for somehow, and I thought about this, business makes us feel important, makes us feel valuable. It makes us feel valued, I think. You know, I don't know if you've been asked that question or you asked that question. You know, how are you going? Ah, oh, busy, busy. Like wearing it as a badge of, you know, good honour or something. Oh, I'm so busy. Whew, i got a lot on, man. I don't know. I'm busy, busy, busy. And you go, oh, so busy is good? Like, yeah, yeah, busy is good. Yeah, busy is good. Good, good, good to keep busy. No, no it's not. No, it's not. If we are so busy that we walk past needs, it's too busy as far as I'm concerned. If we are so consumed with the busyness of life, doing life, and we're missing the needs all around us, that's wrong. That is wrong. And we're missing the point of what Jesus is saying right here this morning. Do you want to live like Jesus lives? Do you really want to love like Jesus loves? Well, do what Jesus does. You know, there was an experiment done at Bible College, this particular Bible College, and, and the lecturers asked the students, 10 students, to preach a message on the Good Samaritan, which is the story we're talking about, of course. There was a catch, though. The students had to go from the room they were in to the lecture hall, which was five minutes away. The lecturers had actually... Um, put a homeless person uh, in their path between where the students were and the lecture hall. It took them five minutes to get from where they were to where they were going to lecture and they're going to share a message on the Good Samaritan. So these guys, because where this person was laying, they actually had to step over this homeless person to go to do their lecture on being a Good Samaritan. Guess how many responded and stopped? One out of ten. Ten percent. Ten percent. And you think, we're missing the point. We're missing the point. We can preach on the Good Samaritan, but we're actually not doing what we're meant to do in the process. You see, we can have an intellectual understanding of what that might look like for somebody else, but how, what's the application for me? Well, it's, it's real simple. Find a need and meet it. Find a need and meet it. Find a need and meet it. You see, as disciples of Jesus, we need to find those needs around us in our lives and we meet them. That's what Jesus did. You know, we, we, we've talked about so many different examples, but last week Jesus took up the bucket and the towel and he washed the disciples' feet because there was a need. Their feet were dirty and no one had washed their feet, so he served them in that. 
He prioritised that in his life. You know, Jesus was out, um, was with the disciples and they were out fishing and he was on the beach and he knew they'd be hungry when they came in. So what did he do? The son of God just made a little charcoal fire and cooked fish and bread for when the disciples came in. He saw a need and he met it. There's a time when, when children were, were trying to get to Jesus and the disciples were, Disciples going, no, 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 stay away, stay away, kids. The, the master's too busy doing important stuff. And Jesus goes, no, no, no. Let the children come. Let the children come. Let me love these little children. Let me hold these little children. Jesus found the need and he met it. You know, there, there's so many stories I could tell you in our church and, and in our community about people responding like this. You know, and I, I, it's just, it's almost hard to get your head around which ones are important to tell. But there's one here that I think is very relevant. Um, you know, there's a lady in our church who befriended a, a young mum. And she was down and out and feeling overwhelmed, and husband had left her. She was in a court battle with, to get custody of the kids because the husband had told her so many lies about, you know, in the bitter separation and the bitterness of that. This mum had lost hope and lost her way. Now, this lady from our church didn't preach at her, which I love. She helped pick her up. She helped support her. She prayed for her and with her for God to do something, to shine the light onto those lives. Um, she went to court with her on numerous occasions, on numerous occasions, a great personal cost, I'm sure, because she saw the injustice of it all. She helped this girl through a very difficult situation. Now, did that take a couple of days? No. Did that take a couple of weeks? No. Okay, take months? No. Well, I think it's about a year. I, I talked to this person about it a year ago, and, and apparently it's all just turned around this last um, season where those lies were exposed about the father and the kids were back with their mum. You see, a good Samaritan. A good Samaritan. Seeing a need and meeting it. You know, there's another instance, I thought this is a few more years ago, but there was a, a, a mum that got connected to us through uh, a different situation and, and she was in a domestic violence situation with kids and the father was a drug user and a drug dealer and had some real mental problems. He came to church a few times and was, whoa. And, uh, and it took such a long time and so much help by the people around her to support her and, and help her through this. And eventually, you know, she went through the legal, to take legal action on this guy. And it was, it was years, years it took. And uh, she separated and, 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 and we, you know, was, the support was there to help her. And even for her to move out, she couldn't do it herself. People had to go and help her move, physically move. Cleaning the house was just an absolute mess, you know. And in that process, she did make a decision to follow Jesus. And, uh, but I don't know where she is spiritually today. But it's not about that. It's about sowing seeds. Jesus wasn't out of shape about that. Why should we be? Jesus wasn't out of shape about that at all. He helped whoever was in need. See, are we going to live like Jesus lived? Or are we just going to pretend that those needs aren't there? You know, and whether as a church, as corporate... You know, it's renovating like the Gan Gan Family Centre. These are some of the things we've done over these last few years. You know, the Anabay School, the Yakabar Centre Cleanup, um, the units that Yakabar have got for single mums. We've been in clean up the gardens in different occasions and fixed up yards for houses and, 
and uh, you know, moving single mums and providing meals and all those sorts of things. It's just meeting the need, seeing the need and meeting it, whatever that need looks like. And as a church or individually, we can find a need and meet it if we're open to it, if we are his disciples. You see, Jesus 10, 42 says this, If anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he is my disciple, I tell you the truth, he'll certainly not lose his reward. You see, it doesn't have to be the big thing. It can just be the little, the little things, the thank yous, the please. Can I help you? Is there something I can do for you? Encouragement when someone's down, a phone call, a text message, whatever that looks like. And, and, you know, and Jesus is telling us there's a reward for even doing those little things. And, oh, you know, we don't look for a reward on this earth, but I'll tell you there's great reward on this earth as well. As disciples, we're going to find a need and meet it. The second point here, as a disciple, we're going to find a hurt and we're going to heal it. Going to find a hurt, we're going to heal it. And Matthew nine thirty five, this is the message version, says this. Then Jesus made a circuit of all the towns and villages. He taught in their meeting places, reported kingdom news, healed their diseased bodies, and healed their bruised and hurt lives. Healed their bruised and hurt lives. See, Jesus didn't only raise people from the dead. He didn't only heal miraculously diseases and, and illnesses. He healed people's bruises and hurts. He got into their lives. You know, and, and one might be that woman that was accused of adultery where, where all the religious leaders were going to, to throw stones at her to kill her. And, and he just says, you know, those of you without sin cast the first stone. And they all left. Jesus had defended her. He said, woman, I'm not going to condemn you. Go and sin no more. So grace and truth. Grace and truth, both things. Grace and truth. Jesus has seen it hurt and he helped heal it. You know, Peter stuffed up big time. Denied Jesus three times. You can imagine how this guy's feeling. He, he's just let Jesus down. He, he, he talked, he, you know... He, he had a big talk, but he didn't walk it out, you know. And, 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 and Jesus is resurrected. He comes back and said, yeah, Peter, do you love me? He said, yes, Jesus, I do. I'll feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Go on. Just go and do it. And he empowered Peter. He encouraged him to be all that he was purposed to be. You know, there's an example I can think of just... It was a few years ago now, but, but it's one that, as I said, there was heaps that I could have used, but this particular one was a guy in our church. He was an alcoholic. He was a drug addict. He was ex-army. He was trained SAS and, uh, and, and got, went on a bender like days before he actually got through his training. He, he was a, a, an amazing dude, and he played drums like, um, like, I don't know, it was just like... He, it was heavy metal. That's it. That's the word I was trying to think of. It was just, it was a crazy drummer, and and this guy, over years of support, years of support, went to AA, kept falling over, kept falling over, kept falling over, and uh, um, and this took years. This was years of, of process. Finally, we got him, talked him into going to a rehab. You know, and we tried to get him into Teen Challenge, and we couldn't. And finally, we found one up the coast, and. Uh, 
This took years. He even told me at one stage, actually it might have been on that trip when I was driving him to the rehab. He said, you know what, you came to my caravan one day, I was up in the hills with my rifle with the sights on you. I'm going, whoa, this guy was damaged goods. And you know what, well, I've only seen him once since that. But it's, it's not about seeing an outcome, not about getting him in our church, it's not about any of that. It's just saying, seeing a hurt and respond to that hurt, see if we can heal it. Put him in the right environment where he can get that healing he needs. Because obviously he couldn't do it when he was living here. You know, John 13, 34-35 says this, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If you love one another. If you love one another. You will love one another if you are my disciples. going to find a need. We're going to meet it. We're going to find a hurt. We're going to heal it. And the third thing is, this is a weird point, but just do everything else you can. You know, a bit of hands and feet. Just, just follow Jesus' prompting in your life, you know. Um, you know, the, the John ten twenty seven says this, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep listen to my voice. You know, church, we have to be a, 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 a disciples that listen to the Master's voice that listens for those things, that we aren't so busy that the world has crammed our heads so full of stuff and busyness and, and things that we miss the important stuff that Jesus would want us to be focused on. We have to leave some margin in our lives. I wrote this down. You can't do everything, but we have to do something. We have to do something. Don't let the fact you can't do everything stop you from doing something. One thing. Help one person. Do, leave yourself some margin to do something. Maybe it's financially. Maybe you know, just leave yourself some margin. Listen to his small, still voice leading and guiding you in that. You know, you see, if you are a disciple, if you have made a decision to follow Jesus, you are a disciple. Not if, you are. So what have we got to do? We've got to live like Jesus lived. We've got to love like Jesus loved. We've got to do what Jesus did. That's what we're meant to do. You say, Greg, I, I can't. It's too much. I'm overwhelmed. I've got too much going on in my life. I know. Cut yourself some slack. Make some space in your life, for goodness sake. You know, seriously, we get to the end of our lives. We're not going to celebrate how hard we worked how busy we were. We're not. We're going to celebrate those little memories like I just went down the memory road then and went, remember when we helped that person? Remember how? Remember what that did? Remember how that, re- that was wonderful? See, they're the memorable things in our lives. And if you're going, no, 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 I can't do it, let me give you a couple of scriptures that might help you. See, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Through Christ you can do anything. What's impossible for man is possible for God. You can do it. You see, we're more than conquerors. We are overcomers. We're declared as overcomers. We are positioned and empowered for such a time as this. Right now, right this minute, we are positioned to walk away. Well, in fact, it could even be in this service. You know there's a need here and you've been ignoring it. Maybe do something about it now. Maybe it might be when you walk out of this, this 
church and you go back to your life and, and the need becomes evident, respond differently. Respond di- Maybe something has come to your mind right now. You go, you know what? I have been ignoring that. I've been walking to the other side of the road. Well, come on, church. Now's the time. If you see that need, you meet it. If you see that hurt, you help heal it. Just be the hands and feet of Jesus. Do whatever you can, whenever you can. Whenever you see that need, respond. Live like Jesus lived. Love like Jesus loved. Do what Jesus did. I'm going to finish up now, but I just want to tell this really quick story. The story of a missionary girl in a very poor part of the world. And she was ministering and trying to help this guy that was almost dead in the gutter. There was this wealthy business guy that happened to be in the same place. He saw this very young missionary girl working on this guy who, who apparently was smelt horrible. His wounds were terrible. It was almost nauseating. And this guy watched disgustedly as she doctored his wounds and, and he turned away and said to this young missionary girl, I wouldn't do that for a million dollars. She paused and looked back at him and said, I wouldn't do it for a million dollars either, but I'd do it for the one who gave his life for me. I'd do it for for Jesus. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylife Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.